0: Welcome to the Cross Loganville's podcast channel. Thanks for joining us as we continue our series on How, Discovering God's Heart for His People. So let me say this to you. When it comes to discussing this topic, I can promise you this. Scholars from a variety of theological camps have differing views when it comes to debating or discussing this topic on God's will. My heart today is that we would have clarity, it would lead to freedom, and that more of us would be yoked up and yielded and surrendered to the gospel of Christ Jesus as we talk through this interesting topic today. Kevin DeYoung, in his book, Just Do Something, Shares this story. Walter Houston, 91 years old, described by family members as a devoted Christian, died Monday after waiting 70 years for God to give him clear direction about what to do with his life. His wife, Ruby, said he hung around the house, prayed a lot, but just never got that confirmation. Sometimes he thought he heard God's voice, but then he wouldn't be sure and he would start the process all over again. Houston never really figured out what life was about, but he felt content to pray continuously about what he might do for the Lord. Whenever he was about to take action, he would pull back because he didn't want to disappoint God or go against the Lord in any way. He was very sensitive to always remain in God's will. That was primary for him. Friends say they liked Walter, although he never capitalized on his talents. Longtime friend T.J. Burns said, Walter had a number of skills he never really got around to using. He worked well with wood, even had a neat storytelling side to him. Always told him, take a risk, try something new if you're not happy, but he was afraid of letting the Lord down. To his credit, he finally paid off the family mortgage. All right, stop. This is a fabricated story. But when you ponder it, I've heard so many people sound Like Walter. Oh, brother, I'm just praying for God's perfect will. I've heard that ever since I got saved. I'm just praying for God's perfect will, Tim. Well, I got good news for you today God's will is not lost. God's will is not lost. The million dollar question is, as we contemplate this topic, what is the will of God? Now the heart again behind this would be second Corinthians 11:3, where Paul writing to the believers in Corinth who were all tripped up, tied up, and confused over a variety of issues, he writes and he says, "I'm afraid, just as the serpent tempted Eve with his craftiness and deceived Eve, I'm afraid that your minds would be led astray, from simplicity and purity of devotion to Jesus Christ. I'm afraid that you're going to get taken downstream with something that's really not of God, and it's going to drive you away from simplicity and purity of devotion to the Lord. So this entire topic today in this conversation really is to aid us and drive us to deeper dependence and a deeper desire to know God and to glorify God. This is one of those topics where there's been church splits, much like tongues or predestination or whatever the topic may be, there's been people that have fights and splits over this stuff. That's not the heart behind this. We're called to preserve the unity of the Spirit. We're called to keep our eyes focused and fixed on Jesus. Jesus prayed in John 17, the high priestly prayer, that we would be one as he and the Father are one. I can promise you, based on research from Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary, right now, globally, there exist about 47,000 different denominations. That's scary to me. Somebody gets their feelings hurt, somebody doesn't just articulate things a certain way, and they go start their own little denomination. That's not the heart. We've been told that in the essentials, pursue unity, in the non-essentials, extend liberty, But in all things, extend charity. Let me say it again. In the essentials, let's pursue unity. Non-essentials. Let's extend some grace and space to people. But in all things, let's do it with a spirit of compassion and love. If we extended grace and love and compassion and gave other people enough space to work through things, it would be amazing what would happen. Now, here's the culture in which we live. Every one of us in this room, we make decisions every day, and a lot of times, the choices and the decisions we make, we make them without giving them much thought, but there's some decisions we make and some choices we make, Ian, that we sweat about. It's like, who am I going to marry? What kind of job am I going to take? Where am I going to attend church? Anybody ever dropped a few? uh, uh, Sweat drops over that one right there. Woo, what is this going to look like? Because deep down inside, you make choices every day, and I make choices every day. And here's the interesting thing. Like everyone else, we're trying to figure it out. But because we say that we're followers of Christ, we're also trying to figure out what does God really want? And that's the tension and the rub. Life is fast-paced. We live in a culture today where there's so many choices. What will I do? Where will I live? Who will I be? And many of us, if we're not careful, we get tied up, knotted up, chained up, and we're not freed up. Having free will is a blessing. And based on Genesis chapter 2.16, when God put man in the garden, God looked at man and said, you are free to eat from any tree of the garden. But if you eat off the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you're going to die. But I'm giving you freedom with freedom comes consequences. Because with freedom, we make choices, we make decisions, and with those, there's consequences to everything that we do. You and I become the choices that we make. We make our choices, and then our choices make us. And so free will must be used with discernment and wisdom for the glory of God. Now, Here's one of the things that I've noticed as I walk, as I walk with Christ over the last 34 years as I've been a disciple of Jesus and really seeking to glorify God. Don't, 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 don't miss this one. Here's one of the things that I've, I've noticed. A major problem exists within the church today and has for years because of so much bad spiritual counsel that has been given in Jesus' name by people. There's so many people that feel like they've heard from God. They are the fourth member of the Trinity. God's spoken to them and nobody else. And man, have I heard some confusing views. Now, there's a lot of things that people say, and it sounds so spiritual. But you sit there and you're like, what does that mean? I've had people look going, brother, just be praying for me. I'm asking God to show me what his will is and what car I should buy. Really? You're asking God's will for what car you should buy. Uh, Let me ask you this. What's your budget? What can you obtain and maintain without going into debt? What are your needs? I've had guys that were living on the edge of debt. Look at me. Brother, I'm just praying about whether it's God's will for me to buy this Corvette. Homie, listen to me. You're married with five kids. Where are you going to put them all? It's not functional. No, it's not God's will. I'll speak on God's behalf. (laughs) But you'll hear people spiritualize decisions. Oh, God, is it your will for me to get the number one or? The number three, should I get the fried chicken sandwich or the grilled chicken? Or Lord, should I get the salad? No, y'all go ahead. I'm praying for God's will. God's just glad that you're at Chick-fil-A. Order something and get through the line. But how many times do you hear people say that? We want to spiritualize it, right? I mean, is it God's will for me to eat peppermint? Well, it's got sugar in it. Oh, but Lord, based on those four, which one is your will? (laughs) Lord, I just don't want to get away from your will. And the thing is, Cole, it sounds spiritual, but it's jacked up and flawed. I've had people tell me this over the years. Uh, 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 Brother, don't get ahead of God. Get ahead of God. You're talking about the one that opened his mouth some 6,000 years ago and spoke the world into existence. You're talking about the one that's going to be here when it's all said and done who's infinite. You're talking about me having a 70-year space, and you're going to tell me not to get ahead of God. Explain, please, what you mean. Because it sounds spiritual. But you go, what? "Well, Well, brother, I'm just praying for God's will. And again, the premise of the reasoning is flawed. Here's the way some of us were coached up and taught. You were told something like this. God's got a unique plan and will for your life. There's a blueprint that God set aside just for you. God's already marked the person he wants you to marry. He knows who your spouse is going to be. He knows where you're supposed to live. He knows who you're supposed to marry. He knows what job you're supposed to do. And if you find it and do it, it's like the eagle said, you'll have this peaceful, easy feeling. But if you jack it up, you're going to ruin your life. And I see so many people that are spiritually, let me use this word, constipated, locked up with fear, worry, anxiety, stressed out. I just don't want to disappoint God. I just don't want to screw this one up. real? And and the assumption is, here's the blueprint, don't go against it. Kevin DeYoung, back in his book, I like what he said, love Jesus, obey the Word, all of it, be holy, think of others before you think of yourself. Live for the glory of God. Do these things. Then go do whatever you want to do with whomever you want to do, wherever you want to do it. Because if you're seeking first the kingdom of God and his will, great. Great. But so many of us, we sit on the sidelines, we don't do anything, and we're like, well, I'm just praying for God's will I'm just praying whether God wants me to serve with the kids. Go do something in Jesus' name. I'm just praying whether he wants me to go over and talk to my neighbor that just moved in. Go do something. Quit sitting there and acting all spiritual and pious about that. So you've got, come on, come come on. breathe. What does the Word of God say about the will of God? What does the Word of God say about the will of God? Hebrews chapter 1. All right, listen to this. God spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and ways. God spoke long ago by raising up people like Moses and Elijah and Jeremiah and Isaiah. And and God spoke long ago through the prophets in many ways. In these last days, he's spoken to us through his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things through whom also he made the world. He is the radiance of his glory, the exact representation of the glory and nature of God. When Jesus, when you see him, you see the Father. He's spoken through his Son, and he upholds all things by the word of his power. Here's the deal. God has spoken to us through his Son, who is the Word. And the Word, when you study it in Scripture, New Testament, two primary Words are used, the word Logos and the word rama. God has spoken to us in Logos, that is the revealed person of Jesus Christ. The word, Logos, became flesh, dwelt among us, we beheld his glory. Glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Yes, here is my son, who is the word, worship him. And then he's spoken to us through the word, based on Ephesians 6. Take the word of God, the sword of the Spirit, The Ramah sayings of God, how does God speak? He speaks through his son. He speaks through the word. Now, when you study, get this one, get it. When you study the scripture, the Bible talks mostly about the moral will of God, the moral will of God. And what I mean by that is some things please God, some things don't please God. Some things honor God, some things don't honor God. Loving your neighbor pleases God. Killing your neighbor don't please God. Love your neighbor. Don't don't murder. It is the moral will of God. And the moral will of God is found in the word of God. The moral will of God is not a mystery. The moral will of God is here. How do you know it, Tim? By reading it, by studying it, and by studying it and and obeying it. Can I tell you this? God's moral will is somewhat universal, and it's not specific to me. We believe that the Scripture is true for all people of all places of all times. And, Jonah, I can tell you this. I can tell you it's not specific to me to me. How how do you learn it? You, You read the scripture, you study the scripture and obey it. Next week, I'm gonna talk about how to study the Word of God. And we're gonna talk about the importance of being able to take the text within the context and we're gonna break down how you go about studying a narrative, a discourse, a wisdom book, whatever, and you're gonna go, wow, I didn't even know this. And we're gonna talk about how to handle the text within the context so that you can know the Word of God And know the will of God better. It's gonna help you big time. 1 Thessalonians 5, this is a great verse. Rejoice always, in all things give thanks, for this is God's will in Christ Jesus. I've had people say, I'm just praying for his will. Let's start here. He's already said, this is God's will in Christ Jesus. Uh, What's his will? Rejoice! How are you doing, Dave? Life sucks. Terrible. Stop it! God's will is for you to rejoice in something in His goodness. Stop that gloom and despair. Rejoice! Paul said, "Rejoice in the Lord." And Again, I say, "Rejoice and let your gentle spirit be made known to all." Rejoice! What's his? What's his will? Pray. Pray without ceasing. Pray continuously. Be pressing in, leaning into. The heart of God, pray. Pray for your neighbor. Pray pray for those who are hurting. Pray. pray. If any among you is sick, let him call for the others. Pray. Yes. What what else? Tim, is his will. Give thanks. And all things, you're going through adversity, a little bit of suffering, a little bit of pain. Give thanks. If we mastered these three, people would look at us going, what is up with you? I'm just walking in the moral will of God. Tara, if we got these three right here, just these three, I'm walking in his moral will. It's freeing me up. It's like, you want to know what God's will is? Read it, study it, obey it. Jesus comes on the scene. Listen to some of the things he said. Ah, follow me. That's his moral will. Hey, let your light shine before others so that they can see your good works and glorify the Father. That's His moral will. Hey, uh, keep your word. When you say you're going to do something, do it. That's His moral will. Hey, pray for your enemies. That's His moral will. Do not judge lest you be judged yourself. Quit judging and condemning. That's His moral will. Hey, love your neighbor. Well, they threw trash in my yard. Love your neighbor. How can you say you love God who you haven't even seen and you're over here not loving your neighbor who you do see? That's his moral will. Honor your parents. That's his moral will. Honor marriage. That's his moral will. Live a life of generosity. That's his moral will. Go and make disciples. Hey, 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 I promise you you will leave very frustrated if you come to me and in some spiritual jacked-up jargon going, well, I'm just praying for God's will, Brother Tim. You, you don't do that. You can tell me I'm reading the Word, I'm studying the Word, and some of it I'm struggling to obey. I'd go, I hear you. But the will of God is not lost. You have been given a copy of the Word of God. Matter of fact, you've got too many copies of the Word (laughs) of God. Seriously. Dusty Bibles lead to dirty lives. Pick it up, read it, and study it. Now, The moral will of God, that's what the majority of Scripture talks about. Then the Scripture talks about the sovereign will of God. Oh, sovereign will of God. And what we mean by that is everything that happens, happens because God allows it or God decides it. And this one right here, I'm telling you, is a head-scratcher at times even for me. But when we talk about the sovereignty of God, we're talking about He is the source of all power. He has all authority. He is over everything that exists. Nothing is outside of His control. God has no limitations. God's sovereign. Do you understand the sovereignty of God, Tim? No. Revelation 21, He is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. Do I understand the beginning? No. Do I understand the end? No. I I don't understand all of it. Colossians 1, God created all things, holds all things together, both in heaven and on earth, things that are visible. Invisible? Man, there's so much that happens in the, the invisible world where there's so much spiritual warfare going on. Do you understand it? No, no. But God is over that. God is sovereign. God is all-powerful. Nothing is outside of his control. Now, here's one that trips me up that I had to struggle through for years is I was dealing with this sovereign will of God. And it is interesting. Acts chapter 2, 22 through 24. It says, Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles, wonders, signs, which God performed through him in your midst. He was delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God. You nailed him to the cross Godless men put him to death, but it was God's predetermined plan. It was God's foreknowledge that allowed it to happen. I thought you said murder is wrong. It, it is. And murdering God's son is a different type of evil. God, did you allow that to happen? Yes. Yes. Did Jesus willfully lay aside deitic privileges and take on the form of man so that he would become obedient, even obedient to a criminal being crucified on the cross? Yeah. Was it God's predetermined plan? Yes. Acts 4, men rallied together against your holy servant Jesus to do whatever your hand and your purpose had predestined to occur. God, that, that was your plan? Yes. Even evil things that happen at times are still part of God's sovereign plan. God allows, God redeems What man means for evil, God will turn it around for good. God is sovereign. Do you understand it, Tim? No. I don't understand some of it. And I've had people struggle through that. Well, well, brother, I'm just asking God to show me why. And what about if he doesn't? Then what? It was God's will. The conspiracy and murder of Jesus was God's will. It was part of his sovereign will to redeem humanity. Do I totally grasp? I struggle through this one, but God is in control. The word foreknowledge and predestined, it means knowing reality before it becomes real. God knows reality before it becomes real. Does God force you to come to faith? No. Does God extend to you the gospel? Yes. But God knows reality before it becomes real. This is going to happen if you do that. If you jump off of that 60-foot roof and you hit that concrete, you're going to splatter. Did I make you do it? No. It's your free will. God knows reality before it becomes real. About 16 years ago, there was a snowstorm, ice storm here in our area. And the kids and all of us, we were out playing around in the snow. It was a lot of fun come back in, I'm going to make some popcorn. Okay, so we come back in, and when I say make popcorn, guys, let me explain this to you. Let me tell you what the sovereign will of God is in regards to popcorn. You don't put a bag in an oven, turn it, a microwave, and turn it to three minutes. I've got a whirly bird. You pour oil, Orville, and you mix it on the stove. That's real popcorn. That other stuff, uh, it's not popcorn. But anyway, I had made popcorn, and we had told our kids Not just one, not just two, all five of them. Listen, that stove is hot. Do not go over and put your hand on that stove when we turn it off. It's hot. Well, my middle one decides that he wants to test and see if we're telling the truth. I've got foreknowledge. I know reality before it becomes real. Make the popcorn. It was one of those that had kind of the bigger circle and you know what I'm saying? So I take the popcorn, pour it in the bowl, go over, and all of a sudden I hear my four year old by the name of Jesse screaming. <laughs> and I go over, and that little hand looks like it has been branded. And oh, it fried him. Did you make him do it? No. Did you have foreknowledge of what would happen? Oh, 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 yeah. Was that predestined? God wasn't up there going, you know what, I like him other five. That one right there kind of gets on my nerves. I'm going to fry his hand. (laughs) That's how we treat the will of God at times. Like God is mad at some and glad with some. And God is sovereign, but he's given us free will. And that's the tension that we struggle through. Deuteronomy 29, 29. This is so crucial, this passage is. But it says this. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us. There is so many secret things that belong to God that I do not comprehend. God's ways are not my ways, his will, and his ways of doing things blow me away. I do not have the ability to comprehend the sovereign mind of God. There's certain things that are the secret things of God. Some things are mysterious. The will of God based on his moral will, not mysterious, but the sovereign will of God in areas, why, why did you let that kid die at five? Why, why did you let Katrina? Well, what's up with 9-11? Because free men misuse their freedom and do violent, harmful things. Sin disrupted humanity at every level. God's ways are way beyond us, Terry. And I will tell you this, even in my own journey, sometimes I get glimpses of why God allowed certain things in the rear view a month later, three months later, three years later. But a lot of times, and I've had people say, Well, brother, I know exactly why God's allowing you to go through this. Save it. You do not. You're not the fourth member of the Trinity. Turn in your junior God badge right now. I'm not listening to you. That's not of God. A few years back when the quakes, earthquakes hit Haiti, this one evangelical brother said, well, the reason God allowed the earthquakes to hit Haiti and bring such devastation is because of all the witchcraft. Oh, how'd you get that word? Who are you to say that's why it happened? How do you know? I would have been a lot easier with this brother if he would have said, there is devastation in Haiti, and we know that many of the people there practice witchcraft, and if a country and an island ever needed the gospel, they need it now. We need to rally together. We need to pray. We need to do everything we do uh, can to rally our resources, to go minister to those people. I would have been like, that's the heart of God. But when you've heard from God and nobody else has, oh, you got to hook me up? Oh, God calls you? Man, there's so much tension when you start to ponder the sovereignty of God. And here's the truth. God cannot be fully understood or fully explained. You can't fully understand and explain God. I would even pose this question. Why would you worship a God that you could fully understand and fully explain? What would be the purpose of having to seek his heart and seek his face and seek his will? And, and I've had people go, well, well, but come on, brother. Is it God's sovereignty or is it man's free will? And my answer is Yes. Yes. John chapter 1. This is a familiar text. Listen to this. Verses 12 and 13. But as many, as many, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but they were born according to the will of God. Do what? Verse 12, man's freedom, as many that will receive him and believe. You'll become a child of God. You're not coming unless the Father draws you, unless it's the will of God. Divine sovereignty. When you study scripture, they do not conflict each other. They do not compete with each other, they complement one another. I'm sovereign, but I'll make myself known to you. You see the tension even in John 1? You look at Matthew 11, verse 27. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal him. No one knows the Father except the Son, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and and no one will ever know the Father and Son unless... We reveal it, divine sovereignty. Verse 28, come to me, all of you who are tired, all of you who are weary, free will of man. Mama Kay, the tension is there. Is God sovereign? Yes. Has he extended free will? Yes. Are we robots? No. Do I have to choose? Yes. Even Joshua, as he finishes out the book of Joshua, he says, Choose today whom you'll serve. But as for me and my house, we're serving the Lord. You're going to have to choose the tension of Scripture. God's moral will, yes. God's sovereign will. Now, let's camp here on this thought for a second. What does the Bible say about God's specific will for you as an individual? By this I mean God has determined certain things that you should do, Drew, but they're not what other people should do. There is this specific will. This blueprint that God's placed on you, but not, not anybody else. Mm-hmm. It's God's will for me to love my wife. It's God's will for Benji to love Grace. It's God's will for Nick to love Lisa. For Cole to love Laura. For, it's God's will. It's not just for me. It's for all of us. Go into all the world and make disciples. That's for all of us. I do not believe, and I want you to hear this. I do not believe that God has created a plan for my life that I must try to follow that includes me living in a certain place, doing a certain task. You don't? No, I don't. Should I live in Noonan? God goes, you can. Should, should I live in Vero Beach? You, you can. Should I live in Warsaw, Indiana? I've been there. Should I live here in Tequila, Loganville? You, you, you can. Joshua 1, have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Meditate on my law, my word, my truth, day and night. Don't turn right, don't turn left. Stay in my word, do everything that I've commanded, and you'll have success wherever you go. Okay. Psalm 1, blessed is the man who meditates day and night on the law of the Lord. He's like a tree firmly planted by streams of water. He's going to yield fruit in season. Leaf never withers. And in whatever he does, he prospers. Lord, do you care where I live? Maybe you can live there if you want to. And I think this is one of the things that so many people snag in, snag up on. God's called me to lean into him, to press into him, to press into the word of God. And it's like, Lord, L.A., Atlanta, or New York, I don't care. Should I play ball or build houses? I don't. Yes. The will of God is for me to submit my life to the God of the word, and it's for me to be kingdom-focused, not Tim-focused, and it's for me to say, not my will, but your will. Whatever you want to do, I want to follow your will. Now, 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 now. You believe that? Yes. Walking with the Lord. Now, as I walk with the Lord under his sovereign and moral will, now the Holy Spirit lives inside of me as a redeemed believer of Jesus Christ. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, as I walk in the will of God, moral will of God, obeying God, the Holy Spirit now prompts me spontaneously with certain assignments as I'm walking with him. Now they're unscripted. As I'm walking with the Lord, the Holy Spirit goes, go pray with that person over there. They're hurting. Yes. And and you you might not hear that prompting, but the Lord loves me. And as I'm walking in his ways and in his word and in his will, he prompts me. Hey, hey, you need to go over there and lay hands on that person, man. Ask him if you can just pray for him. Okay. Can I I pray for you? I, I know you're hurting. Yes. Hey, the the family's hurting right now. They lost their job, and and it's tight right now. I I want you to go over there and help them pay their their power bill. He's not telling everybody else, but as I walk in the Spirit of God, there's promptings of the Holy Spirit where he guides me. That's the freedom of knowing the king. And there's certain gifts, abilities, passions, and the God's poured inside. Tim, go teach. Okay, I, I want to go teach. Go be my ambassador. I want to be your ambassador. And I've had people say that. Well, I'm just praying about what? what? Pr- praying about what? I'm just praying if, if this is the person I'm to marry. No, you're unequally yoked. 2 Corinthians 6 says, stop the nonsense. You claim to be a believer. He's a hell-raising drunk. No, it's not God's will. You don't need to ask God. The scripture I already told you don't be yoked up with that. Then you're gonna marry it and come back to me two years later talking about what went wrong. No, you didn't, you didn't honor God. I'm telling you, and the way so many Christians seek God's will before they make a decision, it leads to so much spiritual and emotional bondage telling you we're called to live in obedience but then there's freedoms and as I'm walking in the spirit of God, Tim, Tim go over there and share with that person Lord you cool with me living where I do yeah I'm cool, you can stay where you're at you can sell your house, just, listen l- listen just don't become a slave to the lender okay well I'm praying about quit praying about it you, you make 75000 a year. That house is a $2 million house, and your mom and daddy didn't die leaving you $10 million, so just shut up and quit. You'll find you something. I've already told you, quit being a slave over there, that, that stuff. I'm telling you, what's functional? What, what is going to honor God? What's going to put me in a position of staying free before the Lord? The Bible gives us so much. We're told, acquire wisdom, seek wisdom, apply the wisdom of God. Come on, you can do it. It's found in the Word of God. Moving toward wrapping this thing. Tim Chester was reading his book, and uh, he's a pastor over in Europe. But I like what he said. He said, we're free to use our God-given brains to make wise decisions, as long as the options are godly, Our motives appear, the gospel is our priority, and Christian community is taken into account. Use your God-given brain. He goes on to say, as we study the Bible, Jesus will speak to us words of comfort, challenge, and conviction through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Father will hear and answer prayers. The Spirit of God gives us the power and desire to live holy lives. I I don't have that power and desire it's the holy spirit that's prompting me live holy the spirit will give us that desire the father provides our needs jesus is present with us in adversity and the trinity father son and spirit is always giving us joy and peace and grace and comfort and so many other things as we just walk in the spirit with the lord So many of us are hindering the Spirit of God of working in our lives because we are not obeying what God has already shown us, and so the Spirit of God has no chance of giving you spontaneous revelation or quickening your heart at times because you're not obeying what he's already said. It's like, it's not working. I got good news for you. This will free some of you up. I promise you it will. God's got a will for your life. He's got a will for you, but that will is for everybody. What's his will, Tim? That you repent. Jesus said, I didn't come to call the righteous, I came to call sinners. I came to seek and to save that which was lost. I got to realize I'm lost before I can get found. I'm a sinner. Great. Repent. That's his will for everybody. I want you to receive Christ and be baptized. Acts chapter 2, that's what he says. Repent, be baptized in Jesus' name for the forgiveness of sin. You'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then he goes on to say, this promise is for you and your children and for your great-grandchildren, those who are far off. Who's it for? Everybody that will respond to the gospel. Hey, hey, I got one for you, Tim. I got one for you. I want you to repent. I want you to receive Christ. And then I want you to walk holy. That's my will. 1 Thessalonians 4, 7, it's not God's will that we walk impure, but God has called us to sanctification, and sanctification means that God has set me apart to walk holy before him and others. You want to know what God's will is? Rejoice, pray, give thanks. Repent, receive, walk holy. That's what I want to do. But I was thinking through this. So many of us pray this way. When we pray, and we're talking about, I'm just praying God's will. Here's the way we pray. God, don't let anything bad happen to me or anyone I love. Lord, make everything easy and safe. I mean, tell the truth. That's what so many of us are praying when we're praying to know God's will. We're looking going, God, would you please tell me everything's going to be okay? Everything's going to be fine. I promise you, I've met very few people that look at me going, I'm praying for God's will. And I'm going, what do you mean? I'm praying for holiness, and I'm praying for righteousness, and I'm praying that the Holy Spirit convicts me of sin. And I'm praying the Holy Spirit will give me enough courage to to deal with that sin when he confronts me with it. I'm praying with you, brother. But this, Lord, please, in Jesus' name. Just let me die in my sleep. I don't want to be decapitated like John the Baptist. That story sucks. It scares me. Lord, I just want to lay down and go to sleep. And I just want to wake up in your presence. I don't want anything bad happening. None of us do. I live in a fallen world. This is not a five-star resort. It's a jacked-up place with a bunch of sin and disease. But so many of us pray when we say, I'm just praying God's will. We're looking for the easy life that gives me as much money and materialism and comfort as possible. Praying God's will, whether I should sell everything I've got, whether I should move into the hood, move into Africa, I'm praying God's will. That I've got a passion for lost people? Hey, dude, that's honorable. That's good. Now I lay me down to sleep. Save it. That is not the heart of the gospel. If any man wishes to come after me, he's got to deny himself daily and take up his cross and follow me. No man after putting his hands to the plow and coming after me and looking back wanting the conference of the Western culture is fit for the kingdom. Lord, I want to serve you. I do. I I, I, I want to press into you. The moral will of God, right here. The sovereign will of God, mm, we get some glimpses and understanding in the rear view. The selective will of God, Repent. Receive. Walk holy. Rejoice. Pray. Give thanks. That's God's will in Christ Jesus. Thank you so much for watching the message today. We hope that this message inspired you and challenged you as you watched it. encourage you to check out our website. It's thecrossloganville.org. There's a lot of information about our church there. Uh, that maybe can help you answer some questions about who we are. And don't forget that on our website, we have old messages and archived series, so you can spend a lot of time there learning and exploring. If you have any questions, you can contact us via the web, or you could call us at the church at 770-554-3322. Thanks again for watching.